Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared, and your host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B, SaaS, and cloud thought leaders, executives, investors, and people just like you to discuss the metrics and benchmarks they use to make metrics-informed decisions. Now on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by Gidget Pugh, founder of Socially Focused and a barrier breaker in the B2B software sales industry. On today's episode, we will be covering three main topics. One, the story behind Gidget's journey from mortician to multiple successful roles in leading B2B sales organizations to founding a social media agency. Two, how Gidget broke racial and gender barriers in the B2B software sales industry, her insights and advice. And three, how has 2020 shaped Gidget's perspective on 2021 and beyond? Gidget, please take a moment to give a brief background overview of your journey to becoming a guest on the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me here. First of all, I'm a native of Oakland. I'm a mother, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm an aunt who happens to be the founder of a digital marketing firm based here in Oakland, California. I started my sales and marketing career in 1998, kind of dating myself. And how I got here is Basically, originally I went to school to become a mortician. Life happened, got pregnant, had my daughter, and I figured out real quick that a mortician wasn't going to allow me to provide a better life for my daughter. So I had to figure out like, what am I going to do? And after doing a lot of research on like what industry I could get into, sales, and I landed a position at QRS. I knew nothing about technology. I knew nothing about EDI, which is what I was selling at that time, electronic data interchange. I knew nothing about it, but I learned it really quickly. Sales, some people say sales is not innate, but for me, I've learned that it came natural to me. It's a part of the fabric of who I am. So love sales and marketing. I love technology. I fell in love with technology and love working with customers. And from there, I found it socially focused. Gidget, wait a minute. 1998. So <laughs> you trained to be a mortician and I guess you've decided that was a dead end job. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. But then you're a African-American woman. Those are two strikes against you to enter the world of B2B software sales in 1998. Yeah. Can you tell us and tell the audience, how did you land that first job in B2B software sales at QRS, which was the largest subscription company providing software-based solutions to the retail industry? How did you do it? I think at that time, if I think about it, it was my determination and confidence. Like I knew I belonged there. I knew that when I walked into that building, I told myself, you're going to get the job. And I actually did get the job. I got the job on the spot. And I think it was just the confidence and like I said, determination. Confidence and determination and the self-driven personality to go and at least get that interview because you probably had all kinds of fear, uncertainty, and doubts. Like, why would they hire me? I know nothing about the industry. So do you have that just innate 
confidence or did you have to really muster that up to go and get that first interview? You know, I think it was the fact that I was a mother. Like when I walked out of that door, out of my home, leaving my daughter there, didn't have a job. So when I, I landed the interview, receiving the answer, no, you don't have the job, it wasn't an option. So I went in there, I connected. And I, I think in just my nature, I can adapt and connect with anybody. And I really connected with the person that I was interviewing at the time. It's always been in my nature to be authentic. And I just went in there just with that confidence and determination that I had to feed my daughter. Well, sometimes necessity is the mother of innovation, right? So you definitely had the necessity. But here you are, you got the job, which I'm sure you were excited. But how long did it take after you found out you got the job to say, holy yes, what did I get myself into? Or did you not have those fears? You know what? I didn't realize that until I probably a week into the job. And like I said, I grew up in Oakland, right? And when I joined my team, there was nobody on my team that looked like me being there were women, but there were no black women and there were mostly men. I was a little thrown off, but again, I was determined to do what I needed to do to feed my daughter. Gotcha. So there you are, you're in QRS, you know nothing about software sales. What did you do to really accelerate that learning curve and get more productive in the first six to 12 months? Or did QRS do it for you? No, QRS didn't do it for me. When I started, they gave you a computer, a little notebook, and a phone. So I trained, I think I trained with somebody for maybe a couple days, learned the script of what I was supposed to be saying, because at that time, they gave you a script. And I'm not good at like reading off a script. And I figured out that relatively quickly, probably into a week of being on the floor. I just started picking up the phone and I just started calling people, calling prospects. And I figured out my prospects or my customers was going to be my best teacher. So in that, it made me just, we called it back then. I don't know if they still call it smiling and dialing. So I was just calling up anybody that would talk to me and trying to understand what their problems were. And through that, that's how I learned about my job. So it wasn't from QRS. It was from each and every prospect and customer I spoke to. Well, let's dive into this a little bit more because most people, you know, you think about sales development reps today, SDRs, they do a lot of the outbound smiling and dialing and setting up those appointments. Then you have inside sales people and inside sales people sometimes will do their own outbound demand generation, but often they will be handed a conversation in a meeting that was scheduled by the SDR. Did you have to do everything at QRS, the outbound outreach, the conversations, the sales call, and the closing, kind of the full life cycle right away? Yes, I did. That's how I, yeah, back then inside sales, you did from cradle to grave, and then you handed it over to an account manager to manage. But in terms of prospecting, closing the deal, I was responsible for doing all that. Now, I was reading an article You were in the Formidable Woman magazine. By the way, congratulations for such an honor to be one of the personalities focused there. And it talked a little bit about going from that inside sales role, doing, I would say, not transactional, but more lower value, high volume type sales. And then you stepped into more of a field sales, enterprise sales role and started doing three quarter of a million and million dollar deals. What prepared you to go from that 
inside sales role to a enterprise class field sales role? I know I'm, I'm talking a lot about my confidence and my determination. Attended a few sales trainings. The sales trainings prepared me somewhat. I would have to say like my customers and my interaction with my customers. I learned a lot from just talking to customers and listening to my customers. That's a huge part of sales and successful salespeople is listening to my customers, building that trust, building relationships prepared me, I would have to say. Well, I think talking about how the customer helped educate you and really helped you learn the industry, I think that's a pretty humble way to approach it, Gidget, because I joined QRS as the Senior Vice President of Global Field Operations, which meant I had all sales, services, sales development, insight sales, operations, et cetera. And I still remember there was this, what I thought was young woman walked into my office like two months after I joined. And I think you reported to two layers below me. And you said, Hey, Ray, I would love for you to mentor me. And I kind of looked at you and went, this woman has some, <laughs> let me say gravitas, right? <laughs> what made you feel that you could come in and talk to someone who were two or three levels above you and say, you don't know me very well, but I would like you to mentor me. I mean, I was so impressed, Gidget. What gave you that confidence? And that goes back to my fearlessness. When I want something, I go after it. And I don't see me being a woman. I don't see me being Black. I didn't see you as being a white man. I saw you as someone that I looked up to and that I wanted to be a part of your team and I wanted to be noticed by you. So I I just walked into your office. I, it wasn't rehearsed or anything. Like I said, I saw you. I admired you. I love the way you ran the team, you know, and I was, like you said, I was a few layers below you, but I was determined to get not only noticed by you, but also I wanted to learn from you at your level. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, one of the things you and I, we've known each other now for you know 18 years and we've worked together probably three or four different times and we've built you know, a personal relationship, a friendship. I would consider you one of my dearest confidants and friends. And we were talking kind of after COVID hit and we started seeing some of the civil unrest because of some of the injustices we see in society today. And I said, Gidget, I go, have you felt like you've faced and experienced a lot of prejudice because of your race or your gender? And your answer shocked me. Can you share that with our audience? Yeah, so I don't. And, you know, it's funny because after you and I had that conversation, I had a conversation with one of my girlfriends who happens to be white. And I told her, I said, I don't, I don't see color. And she was shocked. She was like, I don't believe that you don't see color. Everybody sees color, but I don't. I believe that I am just as competent and equal as the next person. And if I can connect with you, you can connect with me. Like, again, I don't see that. You know, I think it says a lot about you, Gidget, because we know that there is some social injustice and racism that's out there in the world. But I think one of the things I always appreciated about you was you seem like the type of person who looked in the mirror and said, it's on me. Right? Exactly. I can't be a victim of my situation. I can't be a victim of society. I'm going to be the benefactor of what I do. And I think that was such a great trait of yours. And I think sharing that with our audience is really, really an important lesson to learn. 
Yeah. And you know what, Ray, when I think about it, it's like I started in Silicon Valley when there were very few African-Americans and very few women. I can remember being in board meetings, being in meetings, and I was the only Black woman or Black person in the meeting. I was always surrounded by elite white men. And I can honestly say I've never felt like there was a difference. Yeah, so I've never experienced that because, you know, it's about me. It's how I approach the situation, how I maneuver in the situation. It's all on me. Gidget, your approach is definitely refreshing. I want to do what all great entrepreneurs do, including yourself, and that's make a small pivot here because personal branding is a cornerstone of the service that your social media agency, Socially Focused, provides. And you founded Socially Focused. Can you tell me a little bit about how your own journey here over the last 20 plus years helped inform the foundation for your agency's work? Yeah, so being a software sales and marketing and technology industry, you know, I learned a lot. So my sales and marketing methodology, my in-depth industry knowledge, So yeah, Socially Focused was founded on the need to help my community, small businesses in my community. I'm very passionate about, and I love the fact that I'm from Oakland. So a few years ago, I went to a local printer and learned that he's been there for over 20 years. And I learned that he was going out of business due to increasing rent because at that time, Uber was moving in and a lot of technology companies moving into Oakland. And then I went to a restaurant, mom and pop restaurant downtown, heard the same story. And I sat back and I thought about like, what can I do to help? And so it quickly came to me that, you know, I have all this industry knowledge. I have a deep network within Silicon Valley. I know sales and marketing. Technology is my world. And so that's how Socially focused was birth. It was birthed out of the need to help local business owners aggressively compete with larger companies in their industry. Well, that seems like fortuitous timing also, because one of the things we know about the impact of COVID, it's ravaged that small business, that small local business. Have you found that your digital social media offerings has helped some of those small businesses not only survive, but even thrive during these difficult times? Definitely, definitely. I have one client who was working with and she was afraid to open up a computer. All she knew is that, you know, I have this company and I'm running it without social media. I don't want people hacking into my community. So she didn't really know a lot about digital marketing. Once I educated her on the benefits, the low cost to do it, she embraced it. Within six months, she was up and running. And I bring her up because then COVID happened. And so she came to me and she said, you know, it's really good that I'm doing this. Now I need to make sure because I'm seeing a lot of my competitors, my sales are good, but I know that they can be better. And so we talked about things that she needed to do in terms of ramping up her digital marketing strategy. And, you know, today, I mean, that's one of my proudest moments is during this pandemic, it was somebody that I reached out to who I helped to have a digital presence and COVID, while it affected her a little bit, it didn't affect her much. She's still thriving. Her business is still thriving. 
And she didn't go out of business, which honestly, in today's world, that's kind of like the threshold that so many small businesses want to achieve. So Gidget, you've worked with me multiple times now. You know that I'm Mr. Process and Mr. Data Geek, right? (laughs) Metrics mean everything to me. Yes. So you're talking to a lot of these small business people. A lot of them haven't done digital marketing or social media. Do metrics come into play at all where you can show them the return on their investment? And if so, what are some of the metrics that you track? Oh, I track conversions. So campaigns and conversions. So if you're looking at someone, let's say you have built a Facebook presence, you look at how many people maybe visit that page, how many people convert into an opportunity or a shopping cart, and then how much revenue closes? Exactly. And also brand awareness. So the biggest impact for a small business owner who just ramping up or implementing digital marketing, they see a huge interest in their brand and brand awareness on social media. So that's probably the biggest impact. And then it takes probably about six months to start seeing leads come in and then conversions. Interesting. Now, on most of these small businesses, they're more B2C, they're consumer focused? Correct, correct. So tell me a little bit about what are those metrics that you recommend that they look at? Is it number of followers? Is it likes? What are they, Gidget? What's that? Oh, brand awareness is building because of these things that I can see happening. So, yeah. So it's likes and it's engagements are the first thing that we look at. So when someone implements social media marketing for the first time, what we want to see is engagements, page likes, content likes, and engagements. That's the first step to really building brand awareness. Interesting. And once again, I'm not a social media expert, but if I'm a small business, maybe we're giving away a little bit of your tricks of the trade here, Gidget, but what are the two to three things that a small business can do to really build up that engagement with their target buyers? Do you have any kind of easy, low-hanging fruit that you can share with our audience? Yeah. So it goes back to understanding your target audience. So some people think, oh, I just post this and post this, but you really need to understand who your target market is. And that's done by social listening. And I always recommend when you are starting a digital marketing campaign, you need to at least sit back and do social listening for 30 days before you you know, start trying to build content and engage in conversation. And engaging in conversation is really huge. A lot of small businesses, they think posting and praying is going to get results. It's not. It's engaging, knowing what your customers care about, what their needs are. And for that small business out there who's never done social listening, is there a particular platform where you can actually listen to what's going on across multiple social channels, you know, Twitter plus Facebook plus maybe even LinkedIn or Instagram? Yeah, there are several tools out there, Hootsuite, Buffer. But the one that I like the most is Zoho. Zoho allows you to consolidate all your social media platforms in one location, and you can also monitor your competition and listen to conversations that are being said, what kind of content that's out there. And it gives you a real clear understanding of who your customers are and what they like and care about. 
Great advice, Gidget. Well, speaking of great advice, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Metrics of Major Up podcast. And I'm going to ask you for a favor. And that favor is this. I do a lot of work with undergraduate students. I do a lot of work with inner city programs, especially grade school youth to help them with kind of math and English mentoring and also how sports impacts them. But what advice would you give to that younger person out there, they can be a middle school or a high school or even someone in college that's the first in their family that's really looking at, I'm going to make it in the business world. What advice can you leave for them? So I would say to be laser focused, have a plan and actually write out your plan and things do change. Be willing to pivot if need be, because life does happen, but don't go into it feeling like you have to know everything. I think the silver bullet for success is knowing that you don't know everything, but be willing and hungry to learn and never take no as an answer. So I think that's such great advice, Gidget. In fact, two things that you said that really spoke to me. Number one is write down your goals, because if you write down your goals, Go back and revisit those every month or so and visualize what it's going to feel like and what your life's going to be like once you achieve those goals. It really has an impact on your persistence and perseverance to achieve those goals. And number two, you also said something about learning. And back in the day, I used to always use the phrase ABC, A always BBC closing. But in today's world, I think I now love the A always BBL learning because if you're learning every day and you can visualize what it's going to be like to achieve your goals, the sky's the limit for what you can achieve because the human spirit, what I found, you can achieve things that you may not even think possible if you just put yourself out there. So thank you so much for being here, being an inspiration to everyone, Gidget, including to me, of what it takes to be successful as an independent entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Metrics That Major Up podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics That Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.